Welcome to the Rawcast Fan Files. I'm Dave Stewart. Today we're meeting with Tegan Walsh, a Brisbane fan who has packed up her life in the Sunshine State to move to Adelaide just two years ago and has been following her club from afar ever since. We chat about how supporting from interstate has helped her reconnect with the club and the difficulties of young women entering a heavily male-dominated fan culture. We also talk about Jack Hingott, unsurprisingly, as Tegan is often recognised as his biggest fan, with people even getting selfies with Hingott for her in her absence. So please sit back and enjoy our Fan Files chat with Tegan Walsh. All right, joining us on the pod today is Adelaide-based Brisbane Raw and Jack uh, Hingott aficionado Tegan Walsh. How are you, Tegan? How are you, Dave? I'm good. Welcome to the pod. Now, today's a bit of, just for the, for our guests who are new to this uh, format. There's a bit of a, a run through of Tegan as a Brisbane Raw fan. We're going to find out a bit more about Tegan, what she's all about, and kind of where it all came from for her. So we we'll hope to do a few more of these, and you'll hear a, a bit more about our fan base as we go as we go through this pod series. First of all, Tegan, um, as I said, welcome to the pod. Give us a bit of a a background on your football history. How did you kind of get started in football? How did you kind of first learn about football? Not necessarily Brisbane, but just football in general. So um, my grandfather helped set up Oxley United back in the you know early ages. So um, my dad was like a little teeny bopper. So, you know. <laughs> Let's just say ancient. <laughs> okay. And um, from there, it just became a family sport. Everyone played it. My dad's one of seven. So there's a lot of kids down at the football park. And then dad started playing at Tarragundi Tigers. And he um, did a fantastic game. And he uh, snapped his Achilles. And we were sitting oh. on the sideline and uh, never recovered from that. So he decided to coach. And that's where we came into football because we'd go and watch him coach every Saturday. Everybody says, oh, you know, we did this as kids. We were at the football park constantly. And then my involvement just kind of grew from there. So from the age of four or five years old, and now I'm 27, nearly 28. So it's been a long time. Stallwater football pitches around, around Brisbane. Did you used to play yourself when you were a kid? I played, in, I played when I was able to just play with women. Mm-hmm. In a women's comp. <laughs> not as a junior. Yeah, not as a junior. I think we know what you mean. As in, as in I was um, grade nine when I started, and we, um, my sisters and I started a, a female team in a club in the church league in Brisbane, and um, we just played with our, our mates. And, you know, I was there for seven years, and then different involvement, obviously, through the clubs, doing, like, marketing and um, managing football teams. Some to premierships, too, I have to... Add so I'm a good manager on that um, got to, point. Got to add in the wins. You can't forget those wins. Right. <laughs> um, so you obviously you've had a fairly fairly storied history in 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 football, at least to to this point when you're a junior. Obviously your family. You said Oxley was where your 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 dad. Also oh, your um your, your granddad. You said started at Oxley or you helped start it. Yes, they, um he started um he built the club basically. So okay. And then built built the club, so he's pretty pretty heavily involved. Did you ever? You said you played in church league. So whereabouts did you play church league around? That was like uh, I think Sunnybank. I think you've told me previously. Salisbury Baptist. Salisbury. Um, back in the day, um, unfortunately, that club no longer exists. But you know, I'll always be a fond memory 
um, definitely in the family. So what then got you into, I suppose, going to Brisbane Raw? So I can, I can imagine, obviously, the football history probably was a natural link. You would have gone to a few games. Were you, how old were you when you went to the first, your first Brisbane Raw game? And so that would be 2005. Yeah. So I was grade, oh gosh, grade seven. And one of my friends, Reese, he was the soccer coach for my sister's team and he introduced us to the Raw. So we went with my dad, my uncle, and my cousins, and obviously my sisters. And um, we went to the first game against uh, Perth Glory and I was hooked. Excellent. Excellent. And um, obviously since then you've, you've been around the uh, football fraternity for, uh, I suppose, the, the, the active support and, and, and obviously on the sideline uh, a fair bit as well. Um, where, whereabouts has football taken you over that time? Because as I said, long time since 15 years ago. What's, what sort of opportunities or where has football taken you that you didn't think you would have ever gone if it wasn't for, say, Brisbane or, or just football in general? Um, a lot of my life and where I am now is all based on football. Definitely away trips. My first away trip was to Newcastle with some friends and that's when we kind of met all the active supporters, um, especially lifelong friends really, like um, my friend Dee Dee and yourself and Jamie I've met on away trips. So my lifelong friends have come from the Raw. We've been everywhere basically. I've been to every possible away <laughs> away trip i can um, attest to a... that you've been to tokyo with to a, a big giant group of us as well so i know you've you've done the yard the hard yards the long miles for it also new zealand the places that football takes you and also the different people you meet on away trips and not only in a, on away trips but you know through the stands different people different walks of life everything's everybody gets started differently and um it's such a pure story, like you're able to relate in some aspect. And I think that's why my lifelong friends have come from football, not only, you know, locally myself, but also meeting them through the role. Excellent. Uh, what about outside of, uh, in terms of the opportunities, not just say away days, but what other opportunities has football actually presented you elsewhere in life? Aside from just, you know, say you travel to football games to Newcastle to Japan, New Zealand, all that sort of stuff. What other opportunities has football then, or Brisbane, if you want, if if anything specific to Brisbane, has actually provided you outside of that? Well, um, I actually have started my own business, and I was able to start that because I did have some clientele from the Raw. You know, Richard Raw Banter is one of my clients. I was able to grow my passion with the support of people. Also, I've definitely moved to Adelaide. <laughs> So that's probably the main one. Being able to score a really cool job, a stable job and permanent job so quickly within a city that I would never choose, you know, say 10 years ago. I would never expect that I'd be living in Adelaide by myself, you know, doing so well. So, How's, how's the move to Adelaide kind of affected your how you how you've taken in football for I suppose Brisbane Raw games specifically but how's it affected kind of how you support your team and kind of your passion around that there's definitely been some barriers obviously COVID 
making sure that I can actually get to away games or even just home games. But or just home. Also, just, just home in general. <laughs> but I think when I left Brisbane, I had lost a lot of passion for the rule. Well, not just the rule, supporting the football, because unfortunately there was a period of time that being a female football supporter in a predominantly male environment wasn't positive and wasn't healthy. And I left um, not happy with the way the support was and how I was feeling. So moving to Adelaide probably really helped facilitate some, you know, um, what's the right word? Give yourself Growth a break. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and just a break and being able to see it from an outsider's perspective because, you know, you constantly go to games. It's like every Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're doing something. You're either at a away game, you're either then Suncorp, now Dolphins, or you're watching it at the pub with your mates or you're watching it at home. And now that's all been taken away and you're down here in a different environment, people who support, obviously, Adelaide United. So trying to find where I fit within the, the football in general down here has been an eye-opener and also makes me appreciate that we have a football team in Brisbane and we're still able to go to games post-COVID because we weren't allowed to. Mm. You, you mentioned there about being a female supporter in a predominantly male environment uh, and, and kind of how that became a bit toxic. I don't want to take you down that path because that's obviously doesn't have to be something you have to share if you don't feel like that's something you want to share. But how did you feel before, I suppose, because I've known you for a long time. We've, we've obviously had a few big nights out on the, on the piss after a game, but how did you find, I suppose, uh, that atmosphere prior to, um, I suppose, it getting to a point where it became toxic or uninviting? Do you, do you feel it's always been like that or it's grown to be like that or, do you feel it's it's potentially still like that? What, what are your kind of thoughts around? And is that, so I should probably clarify, is that predominantly a, a, an active area sort of perception or is that kind of general across across the broader supporter base? I think it's predominantly an active supporter um, environment. I think there'll always be that, you know, foundation of any club and foundation supporters and active supporters and, people that build active, active active support. So there's always going to be, you know, those people that come in. Now, my personal um, story is that I was only in grade seven when this all started. So, you know, I'm not old enough to drink. I'm not old enough to drive. I haven't even graduated high school yet. I haven't even got to high school yet. So for me to be involved with that would have to mean that my parents or somebody I knew would be an active support, which didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And when I started, you know, when I hit the age of 18 and was able to go to the pub and, you know, meet all these different people, they just thought I was a fangirl. Now, I understand being younger, you get that perception, but especially women in sport and women supporters of football, they don't think you're serious. They don't know your background. They don't know how much you know about sport or football. And they just think, oh, whatever it's that fangirl that just wants a picture with Jack Hingott. And they don't know my background, Mm. but I've been around long enough now that they know that I'm a true supporter and support the team. 
not only in the team, I support the supporters as well. So it was really hard to finally get into the active support personally. Away day support, completely different because you've got those people that just embrace everybody. You've got the real, real fans because it takes a lot to, you know, save up and, you know, drive down to Gosford or, you know, fly into state and then, you know, there's the accommodation costs. It takes a real supporter to go, you know, there's a thousand dollars. I'm going to go for a night and come back. Do so, you, um, that, that's, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of how it, it, the perception can be someone that's new, someone's fresh faced can, can find it tougher, especially if you're female. I, I wanted to get your thoughts though. Um, and you probably got a better view of it than other people having gone through that journey. Do you think a, a male of a similar sort of age going to the pub for the first time would have that same sort of experience? Or do you think that they would find it very, very different? Or have you seen it be very different? Oh, definitely. Oh. It's a hard one. I think they would still have that, who's that? Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't get the fangirl comments. Definitely not. Because, you know, there's that perception. And don't get me wrong, there is active supporters out there standing in the active bay like yourself that are arms wide open welcoming you in. But there's that minority that just constantly put you down no matter what you do so i think i've i've seen some new male supporters rock into the you know active support or just support in general and they don't get the the fangirl comments definitely not so yeah also it doesn't just happen in at our club it also happens at several different clubs. Well, I was going to ask you about that as well, because you've obviously had a bit of a perception on how Adelaide runs a, a, an active support or, or, you know, the fan, fan base kind of interacts with each other. Do you, do you, have you seen similar sort of issues in, at another club like Adelaide? Or do you think that some of these things, or maybe the extent of some of these things may be worse in a Brisbane sort of environment? Or what, what were your thoughts on that? I think that talking about Red Army, I think that they've really had a stable leadership group and I don't think Brisbane have. So I think that the way that the Red Army have set up as a business and had really great presidents now have a female um, Red Army president who happens to be my best friend. (laughs) The way they run their supporter base is completely different to the way Brisbane run their supporter base. And we've had some unfortunate issues within the leadership and we're only just recovering now from the previous leadership that really probably killed it to be honest yeah i can't disagree with that i can't disagree with that at all um let's move on to a bit more of a uh, i suppose a happier uh topic for you you are quite well known as the uh, probably jack hingett's number one fan um, I think you support him 119% is what I understand the case to be. How did um, how did your, I suppose, support to, of Jack Hingett kind of become, how, how did he become your, your favourite player? Because he's clearly your favourite player at Brisbane. How did that kind of come to be? And how did it come to be that he, he's, you know, he knows you quite well in, in the meantime as well. He knows exactly who his top fan is. So how did that all kind of come to fruition? Um, so we were... Um, going to youth league games you came to a few um, back when they were at Goodwin Park we were just down there and 
Jack was in the youth squad, um, vying for a place in the, you know, A-League, like top squad. And he was just so lovely. He would always come up and say, hello, how are you? Make sure, And it wasn't just to me, it was to everybody. He would make sure he acknowledged the fans or at that point he just acknowledged people. So when I saw that, I was like, this guy understands football because he's going up and, you know, really trying to interact. And then we were in Newcastle. It was bucketing down rain and Hinkett come on. And it was like one of his first games. And I was like, you know, this guy actually can play. And it just kind of came from there. Also, you can detest to this. Back in the day when we were in Newcastle, it would rain sideways um, and Brisbane may have lost to a puddle. Yes. Not to be so I recall that game. <laughs> there was only a few raw players that come over and said thanks and, you know, came over for photos. And Jack was one of those. And, the you know, captain at the time didn't even really want a, a bar of soap of us, even though we're drenched. We, I, I'm pretty sure I got tonsillitis after that game. We were very unwell because it was, you know, quite wet and he was still there. He didn't care. And then it just kind of morphed after that. I was like, well, he's the longest serving player. He's um, He always comes and appreciates not just me, but every kind of fan, no matter what team you're at. No, you know, if someone asks for a Tegan selfie, apparently it's a thing. They get it. And he's always up for a chat. No matter who it is, he'll have a chat and he'll be respectful. And I think that shows a really good footballer because at the end of the day, without fans, there won't be a game. Yeah, I can agree 100% to him being happy to have a chat. We've had him on the podcast beforehand. He was fantastic value. We found out shortly after he was on the podcast and we stopped recording that Adam Serrata roughed up uh, during the record and he was still focused on chatting with us. So that was quite helpful for the show. <laughs> but he is. He's very, very, um, very good uh, to have a chat with and I can appreciate. Yeah, that the fandom's obviously not just on a, on a footballer level, it's on a personal level too, which is good to see if there's a good person. It's uh, representing our club. It adds to the culture as well. Like mm. we've had, you look back at who's left, you know, of those champion squads and he's basically the only one left. And no matter what, even through injury, he's there 100%. You know, when he got taken out and he's broken his eye, like he, he just pushes through the pain. And for me personally, I can resonate with that. And I think a lot of people can because he may not be the best player in the park, but will give 119% <laughs> and he doesn't get sick of my selfies. Well, not yet. <laughs> You'll have a collection of them by now. 2,000 kilometre difference <laughs> may be a factor in that. Yeah. I must say, he. Um, you, you mentioned about him giving 100%. We'll throw back to when he, uh, that, that I think it was the Sydney game, where we ended up having three or four different centre-backs in the one spot before he basically got injured so badly. He was out for like five or six months. That was a phenomenal effort for him to be shifted around that back line and put in a shift as he did. We'll, uh, we'll start to wrap this one up for you. Uh, in, in terms of, I suppose, just a couple of really quick ones for you. What's your favourite ever Brisbane Raw goal? What's the goal that stands out to you as the best goal you've ever seen Brisbane score? Either live or just on the telly. The hard one. Usually I would say Partaloo. 2-2, two, two, but closely run up by um, Muhammad Adnan 
you know, down 2-0 against Sydney and Sydney fans are going off and he scores and, you know, it's down one nil. It was the equaliser. It was 1-0. Well, down 1-0? Yeah, because so we scored the so winner long, shortly but... after that. Dan corrected. It's been a while. <laughs> Uh, Although the, the, all the goal actually, all the goal that we saw in Japan and no one else did. Yeah, that was we can attest that that was one of, that was the best goal ever, and no one else can disagree with that. You're right. Uh, what about your favourite ever Brisbane Raw memory? What's the best thing, best memory you've had about Brisbane Raw, either on or off the field again? But what's your best memory about Brisbane Raw? Probably, oh gosh, when we broke the fence in Gosford. That is probably one of the best memories I've like ever had. You know, Massimo Madoka, also a favorite player of mine, scores and we all went down like a sack of potatoes. It was an excellent goal and it was a goal worthy of breaking a fence too. I can agree with that. All right, T. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us on the uh, on this uh, pod. It was great to hear your story and, and get it out to. Um, to our audience. So I appreciate that very much. And hopefully we can have you on the show another time down the track. I think it has to be here though. We'll do our best. We don't, I don't know if we've got the strings that we can pull at the club, but we'll do our best. <laughs> I'll pull them. <laughs> Thank you very much, T. Thanks, Dave.